Now we're going to get into the Word of God. I've got two Bibles. I am ready to go. I'm going to have two Bibles open. I hope everybody brought two Bibles today. I got three up here, and I'm only going to open up two. We are going to be in 1 Samuel. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel. If you're not sure where it is, it's right before 2 Samuel. I hope that helps. Um, this past Wednesday, Joseph did uh, the Bible teaching on Wednesday night, and I didn't realize it, but he had already done a video on what he taught about on Wednesday night. He had already recorded a video for YouTube earlier that day, and the video was, what, 30 minutes long? I don't know how long it was, but it was pretty long. I did it actually stopped, I was listening to it, and then it just quit. Our, you know, the internet's not really good around here, and I was mowing here at the church. Was, I, was that right? Yeah, whenever I, I was listening to it was after, you know, I guess it was Friday. And I was listening to it, and then it just stopped, froze. So I didn't get to hear all of it, but it was way longer than what he did on Wednesday night. Because I had already listened to the podcast from Wednesday, and it was 14 minutes, and it might be because Dan slowed it down to make it 14 minutes. I don't know, but he, he it was good. It was really good, but it was so short. Then when I watched the, or listened to the video, I'm like, why didn't you do that? I thought he did the video after he did Wednesday night. He's like, no, I did that before. <laughs> so... If you've never got up in front of people that are sitting out there watching you, it's quite a bit different than being in a room by yourself with a camera because you don't feel like you're really talking to anybody, even though you're probably going to be talking to way more. If you mess up, you can just edit it. But when you're up here and you mess up, you just got to go with the mess up. So... All right, today is Mother's Day, so I'm going to do a message that's more suited for Mother's Day, and I sometimes, I'm not really good about that, and I, I always want to make sure the focus is on our Lord and Savior, always, but he did give us wonderful mothers, so I'm going to be preaching about a mother in the Bible that you all will probably be familiar with. So, let's start reading in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1. And y'all may have talked about this in Sunday school this morning. So thank you, Joy, for teaching Sunday school. It does give me a chance to uh, uh, get a little more organized and prepared before the church service starts. Uh, thank you very much for that. Um, uh, you do a lot here, and I'm very grateful for it. There's all kinds of other women here that do so many things. Um, I'm, I'm just very thankful for all the mothers and women who are just part of this church. So let's read about Hannah. Now there was a certain man of, I'm just going to say Ramoth, that's a big, big word, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was 
Elkanah, the son of Jeraham, the son of Elihah, that's actually Elihu, I believe. Now, I know it's not that important to get these pronunciations of these names right because it's rough on names. You're, you're suppo- as, a, as a Bible teacher or preacher, you're supposed to say them loud and with confidence, and people will think you're saying it right. Uh, the son of Tuha, the son of Zuf, and Ephraite. Now, this guy, Elkanah, he evidently is a Levite, but it makes you think he's an Ephraimite. He's from the tribe of Ephraim, but he would have to be from the tribe of Levi if he is this priestly type that goes every year. Because it says, as we read, we're going to see where he's doing the sacrifices. So evidently, if you're from a certain area, you will be called by the area you're from, not necessarily the tribe that you were from. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. And Joy, just holler out and correct me if I'm saying these wrong. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now, that makes you think of some other people in the Bible who ended up being very, very amazing women in the Bible that had either, you know, they were barren and they wanted children. So you can think of Rachel. And Jacob was in love with Rachel. And then he was tricked. You know, what goes around comes around. Jacob was a uh, deceiver. He liked to, uh, he was a little bit sneaky. And then Uncle Laban got him. So he was tricked into marrying Leah, but he loved Rachel. Now we have this guy, Elkanah, who really loves Hannah, but he has another wife, and that wife, Peninnah, she is having all the babies. Hannah has not had any babies, and she is very distraught over that. We don't see it as much today why that would be a big deal, because there are so many young women today that do not want to have kids. They would rather not have kids, and they have it in their minds that kids are a hindrance and will keep them from being the best they can be. A lot of us in in our society, we have that attitude and that mindset now. But you got to look back when this was going on. If you, were una- if you were unable to have children, you were a reproach in Israel. You were, you, it was just a bad thing. And women did not want that to happen to them. They wanted to be fruitful. Remember Leah going back to Jacob. Leah had a baby for her husband, knowing that he really loved the other, And she said, surely he'll love me now. And after having the second, oh, he'll love me now. The third, maybe he'll love me now. And she had way more sons for him, but his heart was with Rachel. Same thing here. This uh, man, his heart was with Hannah. So we see something very similar going on here. Now what I want you to see in that, even 
if you feel like you are producing no fruit for God whatsoever, but your heart is to do more for God, and you feel like you cannot do enough for God, and maybe there's even other people in your life that are telling you that you're no good, maybe not actually coming right out and saying it, but they're making you feel that way somehow. Look at what I'm doing for God. Look at how He's uh, blessed me, and I've done so much, and He must really be looking after me. But you, on the other hand, remember that Jesus loves you dearly. He loves you, even if you have not had the fruit come forth yet, He's still looking at you, and there's others that may be jealous by how much Jesus loves you. So let's keep reading here. And this man went up out of, this, of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni, Hophni or Nye, and Phineas, the priest of the Lord were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters. See, it says all her sons and her daughters. So she must have had a bunch of kids. And every time she had a kid, she'd just look over at Hannah and give her that look. Uh, uh, portions. So he gave them portions but unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had sh shut up her womb. Now listen to this. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. Notice that the Bible calls this other wife Hannah's adversary makes me think of a verse in uh, Ephesians. No, 1 Peter. 1 Peter 5. I'm going to read 6 through 11. This is what 1 Peter 5 says. Just thinking about the story of Hannah, and, and she, you, you know that she is a very sorrowful woman because she has had no babies. She's got her husband's love, but she just doesn't feel like she's accomplishing what she was put on earth to do. She has brought forth no sons, and her adversary is making her feel worse and worse all the time. And her adversary is jealous of her because the husband has a love for Hannah that he does not have for the other wife. And you might be sitting there thinking, why are you preaching about somebody who had two wives? Why are you even talking about this dude? And Jacob had two wives. Then he had the handmaids that were given to him in marriage. So he had four wives. It, it, when you read about these families, they were very dysfunctional. To have, for a man to have more than one wife, if you can find where there's any good in it throughout Scripture, let me know. Because it doesn't seem to work out very good for the family. They are always at each other. 
They might even sell one of their brothers into slavery. Well, all right, so here we're, we're starting with verse 6 of uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Now, doesn't that match up with the story of Hannah? Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. As we read a little bit further what Hannah does, this matches up really nice. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So there's a nice New Testament scripture that goes right along with this story. Now where was I at? Where did I stop reading in 1 Samuel? Uh, had shut up her womb and her adversary. Uh, verse 7, And as he did so year by year, so as he did so, her husband went there every year, so she went with him, his family went with him, so that means that Hannah showed up every year. When she, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, this is what the other wife is doing to her, provoked her, therefore she wept, and did not eat. So year after year, this evil wife, this, this bad wife, was really uh, irritating and provoking Hannah to where she wept and she wouldn't eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, Why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? He's telling her, I, I still I, I gave you a double portion. <clears throat> I treat you better. So why are you so sad? Why are you being this way? You know that I love you. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Now, by that little reference right there, that means that she was giving him up to the Lord. If he would grant her this petition, she would bring him to the temple, and she would dedicate him, and if no razor was to come to his head, now there's some other things that could go along with that, but that right there shows you that she was going to do the Nazarite vow for her son. Samson was another son that was uh, brought to a couple who had been praying for his son, and they dedicated him to the Lord. That would have been in Judges. 
and he was not supposed to cut his hair. Now, it was a shame for a man to have long hair. So they purposely let their hair grow out long so that they'll walk around in shame. That's part of a Nazarite vow. They were not to drink any kind of alcohol whatsoever, so much so that they shouldn't even walk near a vineyard. Stay away from grapes. Yeah, but grapes are not bad. Don't even get that. That's how far away you got to stay away from the wine that you can't even go near the grapes. That, that's all part of the Nazarite vow, and that's what's going to happen to Samuel when he, you know when he comes along. Twelve. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. Now Eli... In, in, all right, we've already mentioned Eli's two sons, and now we're talking about Eli. Why? Why are they mixed into this story? Well, for very good reason. And we're not going to go that far in Scripture today, but if you keep reading throughout chapter 2, you're going to see where Eli's two sons are bad. Very bad. What you have to watch out for is a priestly dude, or even a pastor, who is always pointing out people's sins. Why, be, beware of someone, especially a pastor, who's always pointing out that person's sin and that person's sin, because he's trying to distract you to others because he's in sin. Okay? Eli is very ashamed of how bad his boys are. You know, a, a, a man in, in this position should have sons and daughters who are very good, well-behaved citizens, and they should be following the Lord. Hannah seems to be drunk to him. He's very quick to point out a sin in her life when she, there was nothing of the sort going on. And think about the contrast between Eli and his sons and what we know becomes of Samuel. So Hannah, by the way, Hannah, I don't even know if I've mentioned it yet, but Hannah has a baby, finally, and his name is Samuel. Now, what does Samuel mean? The name Samuel, what does it mean? It means heard by God. What did Hannah do? She prayed, and her prayer being answered showed that she was heard by God. So that's why they named him Samuel. So we read the Bible, and when certain things come up that are sinful, just receive it. If you know that there's other people who are into sin, and you might come to me and say, well, why don't you address that? Why don't you do this? I might have to, but I'd rather just preach the word and let the Holy Spirit convict, and people know they're doing wrong, and when they hear the word, they'll know it even more, that they're doing wrong. And there might be situations where I might have to go to that person one-on-one, -on -one, talk to them about the sin that's in their life, but I do it very humbly because I know that I'm not perfect, and you don't even have to ask my wife for confirmation on that. 
15, And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. How many of us do that? How many of us will actually fall down and praise and worship the Lord and pour out our soul to Him? Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the, so the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Now, notice that she still doesn't have what she has prayed for. But she is so confident now in what she has prayed, and she knows that God is a mighty God. He's able to do all things. She knows what He's done in the past, and now she's finally resting in her prayer to the mighty God, her mighty God. She's poured her soul out, and now she's not going to be sad anymore. Now, I just read in 1 Peter, in due time, in due time. We are impatient people. We want it now. If we pray to God to give us patience, God, please give me patience, and I want it right now. Microwave. Get it done quick. But in due time, God will do. Perfect timing. His timing is perfect. So she's not sad anymore. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house in Ramah. See, they shortened it. That's why I shortened it. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about, come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah, her husband, and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned. All right, now, okay. She knows because of the vow that she made that she is actually going to take this precious little boy that she has prayed for, and she's going to take him there, and she's going to turn him over to Eli, and they're going to leave, and they're only going to go back once a year to see him. Well, that's what they do anyway, once a year. And, and this precious boy that she had prayed for, she's giving him up to God. And she's going to follow through with it. How many of us have made commitments to God? God, if you get me out of this, I will do this for you. And then we don't. God, if you will save me from hell, I will. And then we don't follow through. She's following through with something that would have been very difficult. 
But as we read on through Scripture, we find out that she had at least three other sons and two daughters. So she was blessed beyond what she originally asked for. And she gave up the thing she asked for because she had made a vow to the Lord and then he blessed her with even more sons and daughters. So what can we learn? What can we learn from this life that Hannah was living? We know that she struggled with self-worth and had an adversary. How many, think, of, think of anybody here. Think about how you may have struggled with your own self-worth. Think about all of us having an adversary that loves to see us feel that way about ourselves and then piles on. You know, the, the devil is walking around like, like a roaring lion, seeing who he can devour. Because he's got to find something weak. He's got to find somebody who doesn't think much of themselves, and then he, it's an easy target. So we need to be careful about that. We need to be confident in what God is going to do through us, and we're to resist the devil, and he will flee. Hannah has become now the mother of Israel's greatest judge. We know that she was very fervent in prayer, in, in worship and prayer, effective in prayer. And we know that she was very willing to follow through with the commitment. And it was a costly commitment, but she, felt, she followed through. We know that God, by reading this story in the, in the Old Testament, we know that God hears and answers prayers. We also get from this story that our children are gifts from God, not hindrances to what we want in life. We also have learned that God is concerned for the oppressed and the afflicted. And we also know that there are people in our lives that will, and even the people you will least expect it from, that do not understand. Just like Eli, he didn't understand what she was doing there. And just because your prayers don't come out in a loud voice doesn't mean you're praying sincerely and pouring your heart out to the Lord. Just because you assume somebody might be doing some sinful things don't mean they really are. Be careful about judging others when there's things in your own life that you need to be more concerned about. All right, let's jump over to uh, chapter 2. You can read what's in between on your own. We're running out of time. Mother's Day is only 24 hours, so we've got to get done. Chapter 2. This is, this is what people call Hannah's song. Now, this is after she's gone back. And she's like, hey, you, you know, I'm the one who came before. I'm the one who prayed. And Hannah prayed and said... My heart rejoiceth in the Lord, mine horn is exalted in the Lord, my mouth is enlarged over mine enemies, because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God." Talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let not 
arrogancy come out of your mouth. Now she's, she's, she's talking about her adversary. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. Notice how the weak have been made strong, and how the strong have been made weak. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry ceased. So they're no longer hungry. So that the barren hath borne seven, seven, ooh, I like that number, and she that hath many children is waxed feeble. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low, he lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength, for by strength no, shall no man prevail. Any person who thinks they are able to make themselves good enough to overcome and to be accepted by God, that is a very dangerous place to be. Never, ever have confidence in your own strength because God can't use you. He's looking for the weak and the humble. The Old Testament is a type and picture. Many, many places throughout the Old Testament is types and pictures of things that are going to happen in the future. Now, what I just read to you that Hannah spoke right there, fast forward all the way to Luke chapter 1. This is Mary, the mother of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And she said, and Mary said, this is, this is uh, Luke chapter 1 starting with verse 46. My soul doeth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. I see how it's matching up with what Hannah said. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Do you remember? Jesus Christ is the king of the Jews. His mother was a peasant. His earthly father was a carpenter, and they had to travel 80 miles to Bethlehem. And when they got there, they were nobody special. There was no room for them in the inn. They was to go to the stables, and they were to use a feeding trough as a cradle. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. Who would have ever expected the person, the one who created 
this wonderful earth, this, this, like Grace was talking about that song that we sang, and how amazing this earth and this universe is, the person who created it all is born to this peasant couple and didn't even have a decent place to have birth and to lay him. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath hopen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and his seed forever. That came out of Mary's mouth. All of that came from Mary. If you planned it out, if, if, if a man planned out the coming of the creator of the universe, you would think he would do it so much different because this person deserves honor. But he came to be able to recognize anybody. He came so humbly that the people who look at how great they are can't look at him. We need to learn that lesson. We need to really see that it doesn't matter how insignificant we think we might be or how little self-worth we may have and how scared we are of those who try to keep us down that we have a mighty Savior who has done everything, everything that we need. And we need to humble ourselves like Hannah. You know, this world, this world needs, the great need of today is Christian mothers like Hannah. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ, throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all of our mothers. And Father, we, we just want to humble ourselves. And Father, I pray that we would be a people who would pour out our spirits to you and that we would remember all that you've done for us and that we would be willing to make a commitment to you and to follow through with it. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.